Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, thanks for tuning into the podcast again. Tired of your business's healthcare costs unpredictably increasing every year? Healthcare costs are typically a business's second or third line item expense. And if you're like most employers, it's an expense that's growing faster than your revenue. Luckily for employers, Novetta Health has the solution. Novetta Health is a full-service healthcare consulting firm with proven strategies to lower your healthcare costs by up to 30% or more. They operate on a fee-for-service model and never mark up any of their medical or pharmaceutical claims. None of your employees have to leave their doctor or pharmacist either. Their health captive and pharmacy benefit manager are the most cost-effective and transparent solutions in the whole country. What they do is not magic, it's just honest. So if you're tired of overspending on health insurance and want to learn more, visit outcomesrocket.health save for a free spend analysis to see how you too could save by switching to Novetta Health. That's outcomesrocket.health save for your free spend analysis. Outcomesrocket.health save. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Dr. David Wenberg. He's the CEO at Quartet Health. Quartet Health is a technology company transforming mental health. He previously served as chief executive officer of the Northern New England Accountable Care Collaborative and as chief executive officer of the High Value Health Collaborative at the Dartmouth Institute. A co-founder of Health Dialogue Analytic Solutions, the analytic division of Health Dialogue, David served as Health Dialogue's chief science officer. He received his medical degree from McGill University from the Harvard School of Public Health. And he's a member of the Dartmouth Institute for Health Policy and Clinical Practice faculty, but most importantly, the impact that he and his company are having in the healthcare space by integrating mental health is truly making a big splash in what we do in healthcare. So it's a true privilege to host you, David, on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Saul. I'm very excited to be here. So, David, did I leave anything out in the intro that you want to let the listeners know about you? You know, I think the only part I would add to that, Saul, is, you know, one of the little known facts about myself is I was actually a philosophy major as an undergrad. Really? Uh, and that actually taught me the importance of how to be inquisitive without being accused of being an inquisitor, if I will, and being in curiosity. And so one of the things that's kind of interesting, and it's like our joke when I first got here with at Quartet is that, you know, in our, our focus of integrating physical and mental health is like, we really should be calling ourselves the company that's solving the Descartes problem. But that way you'd have to be a super nerdy philosophy major to get. But it is this sort of <laughs> historical issues of the separation of mind-body, which was one of the reasons I actually came here, because I saw it play out live in uh, one of my family members, which we can talk about at some point if it makes sense. That is definitely something we want to dive into. And I love the philosophy background, David. I mean, I've been in the med business for for 12 years now, and, and my background is actually, not not sure if you know, but classical humanities. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, so you are my, my, my brethren in studies, my friend. <laughs> so uh, why did you decide to get into the medical sector? You know, this is an interesting question. And so what's quite well known is that my, you know, my father, Jack Wenberg, who's the founder of the Dartmouth Atlas Group, was one of the people think I got into it because of him. But actually, my mother actually is also a physician. She is a GYN physician. And so I had two parents both of whom told me not to go into medicine, ironically. And it wasn't because they didn't think medicine was a good career. It's like they weren't jaded from the standpoint of what you hear sometimes in the current field. It was more because they didn't want me to assume that I should get in there just because they were both physicians. And so 
they were very much asking me about questions that are outside of medicine. But in the end, I originally got into the medical sector because I wanted to be a primary care physician and, and really take care of patients who I could follow longitudinally over time. And the irony here is I'm now in the tech world and have been in a variety of different entrepreneurial efforts since 2000 and left that primary care route. But I still think very much about the patient as the, our North Star. I think about how the interaction between patients and providers is not always optimal and how to make that better. And so even though I am no longer taking patients and care of patients on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm very much thinking about how we can make this world better for people who are in pain and suffering and looking for the providers in the world to help them address the pain and, and suffering. Well, I think that's a, such an important focus and vision that you have to integrate the physical and mental, and, and you, you, you do it from the heart of a physician, but mind of an entrepreneur. It's a stellar combination. David, what would you say a, a hot topic that needs to be on health leaders' agendas today, and how are you and the folks at Quartet Health approaching it? Yeah, so obviously I'm biased about this, Saul, but just because you're biased doesn't mean you're wrong. I think one of the missing pieces in the world of care and delivery of care and population health is the fact that for a whole variety of structural reasons, there's been a separation of mental and physical health. Quartet feels very much, even our mission is to improve the lives of patients with people with mental health conditions through technology and services. We really feel that mental health is a health condition, no different than heart failure or cancer are from each other. But it's, it's our focus and my mission and passion to bring those two separate worlds together because I think it's critical to improve the lives of people. I think it addresses a huge problem that we have right now in terms of delivering people, to getting people access to the mental health care. And it also is a critical aspect on the triple or quadruple aim, depending on what your point of view is from that perspective. And it's been a, it's been a missing link. And I don't think it's for lack of recognition that it's an issue. I think it's been a missing link because of the lack of, un, of opportunities to address that chasm in a scalable way, which is really what our passion and mission is here at Quartet. That's fascinating. And, and uh, you know, just kind of digging into to the industry and the workings. I mean, you take a look at, at the history of, of payers on the medical industry and just how that whole evolution occurred. This is where I think it's super critical for physicians to step up and say, hey, there's a connection here. Payers, you got to start looking at this. Yeah, I think the interesting. So when I think when I sit back and think about like, who do we have to convince that this is an important problem. I mean, patients actually, ironically, they get it. Yeah. Yes, there's stigma associated with many mental health conditions, but once you allow people to have the conversation, you know, the prevalence of mental health conditions is so high that it's the exception rather than the rule of a person that has themselves or their kids or their parents or their close friends experience the real challenges of getting access to good mental health care in a way that improves people's lives. So the patients, it's actually, yep, they get it. The payers, interestingly, you know, I've been here for three and a half years, Saul, and if you're going to say like the evolution of our pitch deck, you know, our evolution of our pitch deck was three slides at the beginning talking about how health insurers should be thinking about and why they should be thinking about integrating mental and physical health. Mm -hmm. We're now down to a single slide, which I One think slide. to me basically says oh, people get it. They understand yeah. the fundamental challenge that having that separation has created in their members. And I think that that's a sort of indication of over this very short period of time, how much the 
industry, at least on the insurer side, has changed. The physicians, for me, and it's like this is a sad story of the state of affairs, if you will, is that more than half of the primary care physicians, when we go and talk about integrating care, they basically said, look, I know it's important. I know I can't, I'm having a challenge helping my people with mental health conditions, my patients with mental health conditions. I don't, even though the insurers pay me for annual screening with a, with a depression scale, I don't do it because it's, I don't know what to do if somebody screens positive. So they feel so hindered by their inability to get people that need care to care that they ironically don't do what they know they should do from a clinical standpoint and forego opportunities for under pay for performance side because they, it's for them, knowing somebody has depression and not being able to help them is worse than not knowing that they have depression in an interesting way. Right. And so being able to work with primary care physicians or usual care physicians, so we do work with oncologists and pulmonologists and heart failure specialists, and basically allowing them to practice the way they'd like to practice for their patients in a way which doesn't dramatically hinder their practice, their day-to-day practice workflow is really part of the value proposition for them. So doing the right thing in a way that's efficient and scalable, and importantly, in the last part, closing the loop. So basically bringing back and creating a collaborative workspace for mental health providers, both virtual and face-to-face, to work with primary care physicians on patients' comorbid physical and mental health conditions. That actually being able to deliver that for them and proving that that's something that's part of not only what the promise is, but what we can deliver has been a huge accelerator, if you will, to our, our market presence. Yeah, that's powerful, David. And you mentioned you went from three slides to one. And that's just awesome. I, I want to just pause there and, and ask the listeners to think about your approach in what you're doing. Is your slide deck three years later, 10, 10 slides instead of three? Because if it is, it's probably going the wrong direction. One of my favorite quotes is uh, Richard Branson. And he says, complexity is your enemy. Any fool can make something complicated. It's hard to keep things simple. And David and his team are definitely doing that. And that's why they're having success. I'd love to dive a little bit deeper, David, into some of the specifics. Can you share something that you and your team have done to make things better and improve outcomes? Sure. I'll take perspectives of the various people who are experiencing our, the work that we're doing in the field. And on the patient side, I think, and that I always start there, I think on the patient side is we're actually helping people talk about their mental health condition and get to the care that they may not realize they need, but they know they need something. And so really focusing on the patient journey and the navigation side, I mean, it's important to note that we don't deliver care saw, but we do help people navigate to the right care in the right channel at the right time. And mm-hmm. so knowing that we've been able to allow tens of thousands and soon hundreds of thousands of patients get to care is a really important piece. And we're learning all the time from the patient's feedback and how better to engage, et cetera. From the primary care physician's standpoint, this is something we spent a lot of time last year working on is how do we become part of the workflow, but in a way that it doesn't, that we're still top of mind. And so we've done some pretty cool integration in the various workflows of the EHR, which is where primary care physicians and physical health care workers spend all the time uh, now. Some would say an inordinate amount of time, and actually I would agree with them. But we've spent a lot of time working on that, and it's now quite easy. And so, you know, whether it's with Sutter and Northern California or a uh, Allegheny Health Network in Pittsburgh, being part of the you know default referral for mental health and making that really easy for them to refer and knowing because we send information back and create a collaborative workspace for them that it's not a black hole that they're sending patients in, they're actually getting 
care they need in a, in a corporate way. And then on the mental health provider side, you know, this is a very disaggregated industry. Lots of small moms and pops shops, a few large group practices, but for the most part, it's a pretty disaggregated place. And these practitioners who are working very hard to improve the lives of patients feel very isolated. So giving them a platform, and I mean that not in a technical standpoint, but in a sort of political standpoint, where they're actually on par and working together with primary care physicians is a really important endorsement of the importance of and the value we see in them as practitioners. The second thing we've learned a lot about is that while they are caregivers, they're also small business people. And so, you know, the average no-show rate for people who are scheduled for no for mental health visits is between 30 and 40%, which is extraordinarily high. Too high. Um, it's, it's, really, it's really, really high. And so working with them and helping patients' no-show rate get down to what now in our markets is less than 15% is a huge impact. It opens up access because you think about that empty visits is basically access that's taken away. It improves them from a standpoint of business perspective. And coming back to the patient, which is our North Star, it means more people get to care because they're actually getting the care rather than intending to get the care. And the last part, I think, is on their part is actually creating an environment where they realize that the care they're giving is not in isolation, but it's part of the whole person. And that, for me, is the sort of key part of what we're trying to do is improving mind-body because they're connected in a way that's very much focused on the needs and, and desires of the patient through leveraging existing practitioners in the workplace and supplementing them when necessary from an access issue with virtual care, teletherapy, telepsychiatry, and computer-based CBT. Super, super fascinating to, to sort of think of it from all of these different angles, the primary care, becoming part of the EHR, mental health, giving them a, giving them a platform. And, and why, why do you think mental health, that space is so fragmented, David? I think it's a, that's a policy question and an organizational question. And here are my thoughts about that. And I'm neither a sociologist nor um, I am an epidemiologist. So I think one thing I think is that if you look at non-prescribers or so non-psychiatrists, psychologists, LCSWs and other types of therapists, they all have different training. So they don't interact with primary care physicians. So first of all, they've got a different club that they belong to, if you will. The second thing is, that for a long time, we've been, the mental health has been a carve out from a payment standpoint. So there's got a payment structure that reinforces the separation of the two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lastly, I think is that there's some skepticism on the part of physical health providers about the science behind good therapy, which there is a ton of science behind good therapy. And basically overcoming that side of it has created, it sort of reinforces this, the, the silos that are there. And that, that's a big, audacious, hairy problem to address, but I think it's one that's really critical if we believe, as we do very strongly, that mind and body need to be treated together. Love it. Yeah, that's a really great analysis of the, of the situation. And I think with the work you guys are doing, the horizon within the, I think, short term, the value will be seen. I mean, going from 40% no-show to 15% no-show is pretty amazing. Thank you for saying that. We think so too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and, and, and we're learning, and we're just, you know, also, also, and this is maybe a silly for the CEO of uh, Quartet to say, we're, you know, pretty early in our journey. I think there's all sorts of reasons why that, why we think that that, why that, why that we that no show rate will be cut in half over the next twelve months, and so 
I think for me, seeing these very measurable changes in how and experience of both patients and practitioners on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis is a huge impact for us and keeps us motivated. Very, very interesting. No doubt the numbers are showing the results there. David, give us an example of a setback you guys have had and what you learned from that that's made you better. Yeah, so that's a good question, Saul. So setbacks, you know, I think when we first started Quartet, we spent a lot of time building a a great product experience. And, and in that product experience, we were expecting people to, you know, if you build it, they will come. And I think we learned both in our interactions with users and our watching the workflow that the key thing is being in the workflow. I'm, I'm speaking specifically to the primary care physicians on a day-to-day basis. And so just, you know, that that's in retrospect, of course, the answer is you should have done that. On the other hand, we all have aspirations to build beautiful product that overcome some of the deficiencies in some of the other products that are in technology products that are in healthcare. But in the end, we need to help users do what they need to do. And so that means getting in the workflow of primary care physicians, foregoing some of the beautiful interfaces so that you can make the workflow work really well, and then pulling people along into new workflows as the technology and the EHR evolves and as our understanding of the workflow evolves. So that was a hard knock that we overcame and you know, we'll, we'll learn more. That's for sure. And, and I think a lot, of, a lot of people tend to fall in love with, with their product and, and will fall into that silo and, and totally miss the, miss the train when it comes knocking. And, and I got to give big kudos to you and your team for not having done that, for seeing where you could add value and just latching on and not letting go. Thank you. So what would you say one of your proudest uh, moments has been to date, David? Well, I will say, you know, that whether this is a recency issue or not, Saul, I mean, I think the last few months being able to work with an amazing team at Quartet, focusing on a patient as their North Star, and really with lots of feedback, art- articulating a clear vision of where we'd like to be has been both, I felt really good about that. And I also have gotten a lot of feedback, both from the team about how, I, how what I've done that could be better and what I've done that has been done well. And I think being a, setting yourself out there and being vulnerable is a really important part in my perspective is an important part of good leadership and having a team that allows you to, to do that in a way which is critical with critical feedback, not criticism. So again, harping back to the philosophy side, the critical feedback is something where you learn about something doing better um, has been a really, for me, it's a great and I feel very proud about what we're building here. And, and the most recent aspect has been super exciting to me. Very cool. That's definitely a lot to be, to be proud of, David. Tell us about an exciting project or focus that you guys are working on today. So one of the things I'm very excited about in one of our major initiatives is how we can more effectively support patients who have Medicaid as their primary insurer. If you step back and ask you know, which of all the various government and private entities which is the population that, that has the most challenges in getting good integrated mental and physical health. The Medicaid population for both social demographic issues, for social determinants of health, and also because of the way the program is created from a disability perspective, it has the highest proportion of individuals insured with mental health condition. And actually, if you include the Medicaid expansion, the absolute number of people, at least in the states, the most numbers of people with mental health conditions is insured by Medicaid as well. And so for me, that's a really exciting thing to grasp and do. It has particular challenges because the provider networks on the mental health providers are very different. The good part about it is that Medicaid for a long time has 
emphasize team-based care and the FQHC type model is really a multidisciplinary approach. So that part is great. And we don't have to work very hard on the practitioner side to, to on the provider side, excuse me, to convince that this is important because they see that on a day-to-day basis. But for me, it's such an important population to fulfill our mission that it's a really, that for me is the most exciting thing we're working on right now. Yeah, that's a fascinating uh, uh, niche to tackle. And I think as you guys work on on your solutions, these software-based approaches, ability to integrate to various EHRs, I think it's exciting to think about what the future holds for this population. I agree. Obviously, I'm biased, but I, again, but I agree. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and folks, these interviews, oftentimes you wish they were a little bit longer uh, as, as today with uh, Dr. Wimberg. But nevertheless, this is uh, fascinating work that, that we're getting to hear about Quartet Health. David, let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in healthcare. I've got uh, five lightning round questions for you, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You cool. ready? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I think the best way for me is to focus on the patient and their longitudinal journey over time. Remember, even though you're stuck in transactional efforts a lot of times, it's not about what's happening today, but it's what's happened in the past and what's going to happen in the future. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Don't assume that you know the answer. Look for others to help you build what we're trying to build and recognize that really good leadership requires really good teams. And that's part of your, how you're going to be graded is how well you've led led a team from that perspective. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Always ask the question, are we doing the right thing and how can we do it better? So always recognize that what you're doing now, even if it's good, is could always be made better and constantly challenge yourself to improve what you're doing. Love that. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? I think the patient focus is the critical aspect, Saul, and I know I've talked a lot about that here, but it is our North Star, and we, and we try to follow that North Star in all the different aspects we do. Oh, that's great, David. And, you know, I feel like the great leaders, <laughs> have you ever seen that Saturday Night Live skit where Will Ferrell is hitting the bell constantly? <laughs> A little more cowbell. <laughs> I love that because it's, it's really a comical way to remind us as leaders in this business that once isn't enough. Yeah. And you've done such a great job in, in, our, in our talk today, David, to really let it be known that the North Star is a focus on the patient. And so I appreciate you being so clear about that. Thank you, Saul. It's fun. It's true. <laughs> and I agree. So this last question is a two-part question, more sort of fun, personal question. Number one, what is your number one health habit? What is my number one health habit actually is, is also my number one recreational habit, which is uh-huh. riding my bicycle. Nice. Yeah. Is it mountain bike? or It's actually a road. I'm a road bike. So okay. as I think about that, I don't do it much in New York City, but when I'm home in Maine on the weekends, I ride as much as I can. And it's just for me, it is the only kind of exercise I do where I don't feel like I'm exercising. Ah, that's awesome. And uh, what is your number one success habit? I think the success habit, at least what I try to remind myself is it's all about the people around me and how do I make them successful because their success will drive success for myself as well. Love it. What book would you recommend to the listeners? So, you know, I thought hard about this because, you know, I think that one of the things you asked me before about all-time favorites hard, I think I, I have... I'm actually going to say something which I know you don't want me to do. I'm going to talk, give you two books. <laughs> That's fine. Um, the first one is All the Light We Cannot See, uh, which is an, a novel by Anthony Doerr. It's an amazingly well-written and beautiful novel. 
that takes place in France and uh, around in World War II. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's an amazing story told through the eyes of a young woman. And I highly recommend it. And then the other one, which is, I'm not much one to read much about on medicine books, but one of my teammates actually recommended in the fall that I read When Breath Becomes Air mm-hmm. by Paul Kalanithi. It's an amazingly strong book told through the eyes of a surgeon who develops cancer at a very early age and his struggles to maintain his individuality, his persona as a surgeon and his persona as a husband and and father. I will tell you it's a sad read, but it's actually one which is also very motivating um, in terms of what actually makes this person realize that his end of life is coming soon, uh, get up and work every day. And it's a great book. Some great recommendations there, David. Listeners, if you want access to these books, the entire transcript of today's interview, as well as the show notes, just go to outcomesrocket.health. And in the search bar, type in Quartet Health. You'll find all that come up. Or you could also type in David Wenberg. Both of those searches will give you this entire interview. David, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with or follow your work. Great. So the closing thought, I think, is that doing the hard thing is hard, but it often is really rewarding. And so narrowing in on something that is your North Star, I mean, for ours as a patient, for others, it will be the primary care physicians or specific population, I think is really important because it allows you to continuously keep moving forward when starting something new. I mean, entrepreneurship is by definition hard. And having that, having your own personal North Star for me is a really important aspect. And in terms of how you can get in touch with us, our website, quartethealth.com, is a great place to start. And you will find the team there. You'll see what we're working on from that perspective. And also because we are in the age of, if you do a Google search on me, you will find lots of links back to me and how to get back in touch with me. Outstanding, David. This has been a a real pleasure diving through some of your thoughts, keeping the patient at the center and integrating the physical and mental. Folks, if you want to learn more again, check out quartethealth.com or check out outcomesrocket.health and type in quartet health in the search bar. David, this has been a pleasure. Thanks again for spending time with us today. Uh, It's been my pleasure as well, Saul. Thank you. And I look forward to uh, seeing you in the future. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.